So when we came back uh, to the United States from serving as missionaries in Lithuania, we had to buy new cars and I bought a 1973 Volkswagen Bug. It looked exactly like this. My friends uh, Frankie and Kathy Batten gave me this piggyback and, and they painted it and they put pastor's discretionary fund on the top and they thought I could put it on my desk so that when people came to, to visit in my office, it would help the stewardship fund. Uh, I thought that was funny. Um, I think Nick's going to put a picture of the actual car on, on the screen uh, when I was teaching Ben how to, how to drive a stick shift. Uh, that was a lot of fun. At the time, I worked at um, the Asheville District Office and uh, Karen Miller was the district superintendent and she was my boss and we had this meeting to attend in Hendersonville and so I said, hey, let's drive my new car. And she kind of looked at me a little uneasy, but she was game. And so we're on our way driving down I-26. I'm so happy in this car. And I'm like, isn't this awesome? And I looked over at her and she looked traumatized. I think she was traumatized, especially when we were surrounded by the tractor trailer trucks. And when she realized that there are no airbags in a 1973 VW Bug, uh, she was sure that we weren't gonna make it back to Asheville alive. Now, truth be told, uh, if I had known then what I know now about that car, uh, I would have been scared too. Like it was beautifully uh, restored. Um, I mean, on the surface, uh, the, the paint, the yellow paint was, was, was really nice. But underneath that surface, I mean, it was a rust bucket. Like it wasn't long before parts just started falling off that car and when, um, uh, the, the front wheel came off because the axle was rusted through. That's kind of when our relationship ended. Um, but I still miss that car. Uh, we had some great times together. Uh, one morning early I was driving to work and I was dressed like this and I'm in this sharp curve and all of a sudden my gas pedal is gone. Like it's just not even there. And so I coast into this guy's driveway. Um, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. All of a sudden he comes running off his front porch. He's in his bathrobe and he's got his coffee and he's all nappy headed and he's screaming at me, screaming stuff that I can't repeat in this sermon. But I'm, I'm like, my car stopped. What am I supposed to do? I called my dad and my dad saved me and he drove me to the parks place. So it turns out with my car, the uh, accelerator cable was broken. And, and so this place had the part for that. And, but I also had to buy uh, the owner's manual or, or the service manual for the 1973 uh, Volkswagen Bug. And turns out uh, the book helped me troubleshoot and um, we were able to, uh, to fix my car and I was happily on my way. Now, this, this owner's manual you can't even tell what it is on the front. That's because it's faded from the sun. It lived on the dashboard of my bug. Um, that's because I was always needing it and, and, and parts were always falling off of it. Um, you know, I always notice churches that like put little sayings on their front sign and they usually make me cringe, but I, I passed one once that I really liked and I've always remembered it. It was, um, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Now, the, the Bible is definitely not an owner's manual. But you know, 
sometimes we, we think of it that way or treat it that way. And, and actually there are some, some things in the Bible that can, you know, that can uh, work that way. Like for example, um, in, in Matthew chapter 18, um, Jesus is, is kind of responding to this question, like what happens if a member of the church sins against you? Um, and he kind of like gives these instructions or kind of like a troubleshooting thing or these next steps. Like in verse 15, he says, if another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. And if the member listens to you, you've regained that one. But then it's like, if that doesn't work, if you're not listened to, then take one or two other people along with you. Um, and that way you've got some witnesses and you've got to kind of get this small group conversation. And then he's like, if that doesn't work, uh, then you share it with the larger congregation. And if this person still doesn't listen, well, um, you know, then you've got some other issues and, and you've got to figure out how to, how to move forward. You know, but the Bible, it doesn't have like a table of contents that tells you how to troubleshoot or, or how to fix stuff. Um, the Bible uh, is a creation story. The, the Bible is stories of human origin and, and human families. Um, it, it's stories of, of people and culture. Uh, in, in ancient Middle East, thousands of years ago, uh, the Bible is, is poetry and, and proverb. It's, it's a prophecy and parable. And then we get to the New Testament, and, and the Bible is um, it's stories about Jesus about his life and his death and, and his resurrection. And, you know, that's critical for us as followers uh, of Jesus. The Bible is, is stories of, of that first church. Um, it's full of, of letters. So like when we're reading the Bible, we're, we're actually uh, reading other people's mail. Um, you know, but uh, it's an interesting book. But when we hold these Bibles, one of the things that, that we need to understand is that we're not holding an, an owner's manual, like we're holding a, a library. We need to understand that um, reading a, a creation myth is not the same as, as reading poetry. Um, reading a story about Jesus is not the same as um, reading about a story Jesus told. What, what matters, what's important, is, is that we read it. It's a sacred book, and God uses this book to nourish our souls. And it's a spiritual discipline to do this. So, you know, our, our ancient um, church mothers and, and church fathers, not even ancient, but just over the centuries, the contemplatives and, and the monastics, they not only practiced, but they, they just encouraged this this careful, attentive uh, reading uh, of the scriptures, uh, paying attention to what's in the Bible, not like reading big chunks of it. Or I mean, like, it's fine like to have this goal to read the Bible through in a year, um, but it's this idea of like, I'm not trying to gain this knowledge. I'm not trying to be a, an expert in the Bible and I can point out and quote and reference. Um, the, the point is, um, meeting God in this place. You know, our, our text from, from Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 4.12, it 
Indeed, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides, soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's, it's living. A, a, a Bible that is falling apart uh, usually belongs to someone who isn't because God meets us here and it's transformative. And when we approach the scriptures, maybe just a single verse or just a small story, and, and, and we listen carefully for the Holy Spirit to, to teach us and, and to speak to us, um, that's when transformation happens. Like what happens when we read the Bible with an open heart and, and invite the Holy Spirit to, to teach us what happens when we, when we open the Bible and read it and just say, okay, God, uh, what do you want to say to me now? What do you have for me now in this moment? Uh, so Thomas Merton, um, he, was, he was great at this. Uh, he says, as he was reflecting on his careful reading of Scripture, he said, every word that comes from the mouth of God is nourishment that feeds the soul with eternal life. By the reading of Scripture, I am so renewed that all nature seems renewed around me and with me. The sky seems to be pure, a cooler blue, the trees a deeper green. Light is sharper on the outlines of a forest, and the hills and the whole world is charged with the glory of God, and I feel fire and music in the earth under my feet. (laughs) So, I thought that today um, we could practice this practice together. So, I need to get out of this place and head to the garage. So this is the thing. You know, the Bible is our sacred book. I mean, we know it's a complicated book. We know it's a mysterious book. But, it, but it's our book. And we need to hold it. And we need to hold it well. And we need to read it. You know, maybe your, your Bible is on the shelf. Maybe it's in a, in a box in the attic. We need, we need to get it. Blow off the dust. And just read it. Um, the reading of Scripture um, is an ancient practice. It's one of the important spiritual disciplines. And we need to do it. And I thought we should do it together. So, um, as we read this story that Luke tells about Jesus visiting some of his friends in Bethel, um, we'll read it a couple of times. And so get your Bible. Um, maybe it'll be on the screen. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't worked. I didn't ask Nick about that. Um, but open your Bible to Luke chapter 10, uh, beginning with, with verse 38. And we're just going to read a few verses. We're just going to read to verse 42. Um, and as we listen to this story, um, we want to ask God this question. God, what do you have to say to me in this moment? What do you have to say to me? Uh, teach me in, in these scriptures. And then there'll be a pause Um, And then we'll read it again. And what God says to you might be completely different to what God says to me. My experience with the reading of the Scriptures uh, is that the Holy Spirit will show us something relevant for today, uh, not something that you'll read in a commentary or from some theological uh, lecture. Um, A word from the Spirit to me about my life, uh, about my circumstances um, today. 
Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 43, Jesus visits Martha and Mary. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. And so as we read the scripture again, we ask God again, Lord, what do you want to say to me through this scripture? Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. When I first started in ministry, I, I met um, Bishop Monk Bryan. Uh, bishop Bryan, um, he served as uh, the bishop in the ne Nebraska area, and uh, he was known for his good sense of humor, uh, but also for his deep spirituality. Well, when he retired, um, he moved to, to Lake Genlesca, and he lived in the house uh, right next door to Larry and Ann Wilkinson's house. If you're facing their house, it would be to the right. Well, uh, my very first parsonage when I became a pastor in 1991 was in the basement of Larry and Ann Wilkinson's house. And so I was Bishop Monk Bryan's neighbor. And I got to know Bishop Bryan, and um, he would ask me to come over and help with stuff, you know, um, things around the house and all. I learned that his wife, Cornel, had, had just died a couple years before we moved back to the mountains. And, um, you know, so he would tell me a lot about her. He would tell me about the, the garden that, that they were uh, at that time um, creating in, in her memory, the Cornel Bryan Garden. Um, I remember one time we were walking, not walking, we were, I was climbing the ladder, um, cleaning out his gutters. And we were going up and down the ladder. Um, I was. He was down at the bottom of the ladder holding the ladder. I was 25 and he was in his 80s. And I remember thinking, you know, this is a great opportunity as a young pastor. Like, I know nothing and I need, I need uh, guidance from wise people like Bishop Brian. I was like, Bishop Brian, I was like, if you could recommend to me just one book that would help me to lead the church, um, what, what book would you recommend? 
without hesitation, he just said the Bible. And I, I respectfully received that and thought to myself, yeah, of course the Bible. I was like, yeah. Well, but if you could recommend one other book, um, just one book that would help me as, as a new pastor to lead the church, without hesitation, he said the Bible. And I'm like, I know, I know the Bible. Um, but like, other than the Bible, what's one book that you would recommend for me to read as I try to, to lead the church? And he just looked at me and said, the Bible. And he walked away. And I've never forgotten that wisdom. And it's the truth that we hold today. It's the Bible. It's our book. And we need to read it. Amen.